Welcome back to Basic Brain Heart, the show where we celebrate and interrogate creatives of all stripes. I'm Hannah Camacho. Don't forget, wherever you've stumbled on the podcast, you can find us and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll be sure never to miss an episode. Today's episode is with a woman I've heard so many good things about and really was looking forward to chatting with. It is Allison Mann, who's currently the VP of Talent at Illumination Entertainment, but she's got quite the resume in terms of her experience. Um, She is an artist herself which I think makes her really unique because she spots talent and really is an advocate and ambassador for talent. Um, But she always knew she wanted to work in animation and she began her career at Nickelodeon Animation Studios as a finance department intern. And shortly after that, she really focused in on the recruiting and hiring aspect of animation in particular at the advice of someone that she worked closely with. And from there, uh, she ended up working, of course, um, at Disney Animation Studios, Zynga, Disney Interactive, and Paramount Pictures Animation, um, and of course, currently is at uh, Illumination Entertainment. So she's really worked in a number of different studios and um, situations and has experience with mobile and technology as well as animation. And really, through it all, she's remained incredibly passionate and has a crystal clear mission in terms of improving diversity within animation and is pioneering really fantastic methods that are improving that. And she's not just looking at diversity in the traditional sense, but really broadens the scope of what that means. And um, I just appreciate her heart, her passion, and her approach, and her true, true commitment to artists and creativity, and uh, even beyond animation, and and the way that she's looking to uh, bridge gaps between industries and celebrate creativity in every industry. So regardless of whether you are heading into animation or engineering, the thoughts Allison has to share are of great importance, and I know you're going to enjoy them. All right, I'm going to get out of the way now so you can enjoy the conversation with the fantastic Allison Mann. Allison, I've heard so many good things about you. You have got such a wonderful community of people who (laughs) preach your name and talk about how you're doing so much good for the industry. And I am just really thrilled to be able to chat with you this morning. So thank you for taking the time. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. And before I, I, I'm really interested in hearing your backstory in more depth. I've heard bits and pieces here and there. Um, but before we do sort of dive into um, really what got you to where you are now, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're up to these days. Um, so these days, um, I'm trying to change the world a little bit on how Ooh. we're really tackling um diversifying our voices in our industry right now, um, which seems to be on everyone's uh, top of mind. But it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. So I'm working with women in animation. I'm on a feature um, committee on that side. I have a lot of women I'm working with right now that are, you know, in a similar mindset, and we're all rallying together to come up with really cool solutions that might be out of the box. Um, so for me, like as doing talent over the past 16 years and seeing where the industry has shifted and changed, but also working in several different, um, facets of our entertainment industry, it's like, how do I take all that knowledge, um, and experience and then level it up Absolutely. and dr- drive the future forward? That's brilliant. How we look at yeah. talent. I really love how 
passionate you are about this and how much of an advocate it feels like you are just for true creatives and you're out there really fighting for them and vying for them. Um, did you, did this passion, I mean, of course you're a woman in the industry. It's a difficult industry at times to be in. When did this passion become really crystal clear for you in terms of this has to change or did it develop slowly over time? Was it something you knew from the get go? I'd love to know a little bit more about your personal journey in terms of diversity is an absolute must in, you know, animation or storytelling. I um, always has been a passion of mine since the day that I started um, in our industry 16 years ago. I think I didn't know, you know, I was really naive early on and started my career journey knowing that it was important, but didn't know how to influence. Now that I've spanned my career in working at several major film studios, TV, gaming, um, and seeing the and for what I find inspiring and what people are rallying behind and, and seeing what are their you know the points that they're talking about, I'm able to start figuring out how I can also help influence and ideas I might be able to um, present to help shepherd um, the the goal that everybody has in mind. So I think it's an exciting time because um, I think. The, the time is right to jump on, on the momentum that we have. Um, and, and the fact that so many people want to rally is, again, truly inspiring. And so it really just backs and re-energizes um, what I would love to see for our in industry and how I can, I can help. Yeah, and I love how like mission-minded you are. Um, even just in the very short conversation we've had before, it's clear you have a mission and a goal. Uh, rewinding the clock a little bit, um, could you kind of uh, tell me a little bit about where you come from, sort of where you grew up, your situation in life, and maybe some things that your parents did when you were young that encouraged creativity and maybe opened um, the possibilities of pursuing some sort of a creative field when you grew up? So I'm Californian, all California born and raised. So I was born at Cedar sinai here in Los Angeles. And then I moved to Northern California when I was 11 years old. So got a good breadth of experience of California. Uh, I have been drawing and painting since I was about seven years old. And I was actually thinking about this the other day as I speak to students and and um, and just individuals about what drives them and their passions. But I remember... I was at a restaurant and I, I don't know what I was, it was pretty early on. Maybe I was five or something like that. And I doodled on this napkin and my parents had said something about like, we need to put you in art classes. And I was like, that's a thing. Like, I didn't even know. And so my, at the age of seven, my parents started putting me in art classes. And um, on a very early on, I wanted to be a 2D animator. I've always loved animation. That was always something that inspired me. I loved the art. Um, I was a Disney-like girl through and through going to the parks and, and everything as well. Um, and, but it was always the art that spoke to me and the artistry of the the product, even more so than the, the parks themselves. That's really, I think, early on, that was something that um, really co was connecting to me on a personal level. And then in high school, I ended up going to an art high school called ArtQuest, which 
which is, and I was the guinea pig to that program. So that was, I don't even know when that was, somewhere in the uh, early 90s, I was the guinea pig to this program. And it was a really fantastic program into which I ended up um, in a animation class and some people, um, animators came and spoke to us from James and the Giant Peach. They were stop motion and CG animators from uh, uh, that particular film. And I remember meeting this guy named Mike. And it was interesting because fast forward in my career, I ended up actually working with him at Disney. And I was like, I was like, you know, and I, I, I had a time, uh, a chance to build a relationship I, and, and I met him and I was like, you look really familiar. And I was like, did you ever come and talk to a, a group of students at a high school called ArtQuest? And he said, yes. And I was like, <laughs> you really helped shape where I am today. Oh, and, wow. and even to kind of backpedal further. So I ended up going to junior college after, um, high school. I thought I wanted to become either an art director or a director, but my dad's like, get all your GED done at the junior college. So I did that. Um, I continued taking painting classes and um, I ended up uh, transferring to Columbia College in Chicago. So after two years, two and a half years, I decided transferring to this college was ideal because they had a major called media management where I could study business of the arts, but then I could still, it was an art school, so I could still take art classes. And so I kind of combined both of those um, elements to see where that might take me. Cause I wasn't, you know, after um, not really figuring out like how to become a 2D animator, my teacher in high school was like 2D animation's dead. You need to pick a different career. And I was like, I don't know how or, or what or what other facets of the industry I could support if 2D animation of the thing that I really wanted to do was dead, um, what else I could do. So I ended up going to school for media management. Um, and then I ended up interning at Nickelodeon going into my, my, uh, my senior year of school and I interned in finance, realized I didn't want to do finance, but it did did reinforce that I did want to be in animation. Mm. So just like there was a lot of inspiration I took from Disney, Nickelodeon was another place that I was always inspired by the artwork um, and the artists that worked on the shows um, that I grew up with on Nickelodeon and the cartoons that were there in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, and it was, again, a, a really like shock and awe that I got to end up working and becoming friends with these individuals that helped shape where, where my drive was going. And um, that was really cool. So I, again, I graduated from school, realized I didn't want to do finance. I kept in touch with everyone at Nickelodeon. And, um, and I ended up interviewing for two positions, one uh, as a PA on Go Diego Go. And the other one was working in special events. Um, because I didn't know 100% what I wanted to do, I decided to take the job in special events where part of the job was giving tours and the latter half of the job was dividing up portfolios and giving them out to the productions. 
And so I, I picked that job and it was almost like being a page where, you know, I was meeting everyone in the studio, learning about the different facets of the business. And, um, and I fell into the recruiting part of it. I had met an HR person that I was working with and she's like, you know, creative recruiters, a, a, a career and you can make six figures. I was like, that's not even a thing. Like <laughs> there's no way I can combine like my, my love for art and like my training to finding people to be, to be, you know, to work on these amazing productions. There's, there's like, that's not a real career. And uh, she's like, no, it really is. And you can do a really good job. And I was like, okay. And so I ended up at Nickelodeon for five years. I ended up reshifting their recruiting, um, their, their recru recruiting department. I ran the Nickelodeon internship program and the MTV internship program. Um, and then after five years, um, I ended up getting recruited to go to the Walt Disney Animation Studio. It was a really hard dis decision to leave Nickelodeon. Um, I always will see them forever and ever as, a, as my family. Um, but I wanted to live the other pat part of my passion, which was Disney and something that you know, also it was a huge influence for me in my life and, and the artists that I followed. And so I got this great opportunity to work as a creative recruiter for three years, um, at, at Disney. And so that, that was really fun. And I think that was, um, a great combination of knowing TV and film from, from Disney. I got recruited to go to Zynga, um, which is a, nice. yeah. Mobile Which games, yeah. Mobile games and Farmville and uh, Words with Friends. Um, I, I picked going to Zynga from working in more traditional animation structured because Zynga would give me the recruiting strategy that I might not have learned from from our uh, from animation. So because I'm working in technology versus strict art. And there's a difference like within, within technology, it's a lot more, it's really, really about like a lot of metrics. I was definitely a fish out of the water, but I really under learned the strategy of recruiting to a whole nother level. I was working with amazing recruiters that came from the agency world. And while it ultimately was, you know, again, I was too much of a fish out of water and it made me realize how much I loved animation and the arts. Uh, I, I am forever indebted in that experience of learning how to be a really strong strategic and business partner in and being able to merge the worlds as I grew my career. So to me, that was a really important lesson um, in my personal career of how to merge that business and creative side. Um, and as I've grown my, my career in recruiting, I think, you know, there's things that I, I see um, and I value. I think there's a difference between a recruiter. Sometimes I see recruiters or, or people view recruiters as just uh, somebody who it's, you know, strong in sales, it's there's butts and seats mentality. And I see what we do is a lot about being a talent ambassador and, um, and being production savvy as well, and really being part of the production. So it's a little bit less traditional than a, a, I think, from a, a, from what people view recruiters at are and, and, and not 
and not all recruiters are that way, but I think in animations, especially it's about those relationships and it's not just about the short term, but the long term relationships that you bring. And I'm still close with people that I started my career with back at Nickelodeon. So we're looking at 16 years of, of, of this, of these relationships and really building people up to give the opportunities when and where we can. And so I think that's also been a difference. That's amazing. And it probably, I would imagine, um, contributes to lower turnover. Because I know personally, at least, when I've really enjoyed the teams that I work with, I want to stick around. I don't want to go anywhere because it's it's something special. And it sounds like early on, um, it was uh, something that was probably noticed about your skill set is that you just have probably a really good bullshit detector and you just can sense in people, you know, if there's something special there or perhaps if, if um, you know, they're they're playing you or they're in it for themselves. And I'm sure that's a huge part of the process is just being able to have a good sense of of personalities and people and where they might fit or if they fit. And that's that's fascinating how you've kind of merged those two worlds of technical skills, but also people skills. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, I think it's so valuable in our industry um, to have both because at the end of the day, we are a business. And so you have to be business minded and, and have visions to how you can continue building out the business. But we're working with amazing talent as well. So, and they're part of the building of the business. So knowing how to career coach, and influence and support is just as important across our whole industry as the building of our business and how the animation community and businesses are shifting because there's a lot of great new opportunity as um, technology is coming about as well. Absolutely, that's that's really fascinating. And before I jump into more of my maybe philosophical questions, sure. uh, one side question would be, you know, as you are an artist and you do have that creative drive, um, is it really difficult for you to find time to sort of just create in your everyday life? I would imagine it is because, of course, you're a mom. You're, you are, have a very important job with 10,000 people tugging at your, you know, shirt tails every day. Um, is, is it tricky to find that time or do you just kind of pour that creative energy into trying to make a difference and trying to shift the way the industry is operating? That's a good question. And, and something that... I, you know, I preach, but I don't take my own advice on, which is to continue doing your own art, no matter what, and making time for it if you're passion. Um, one thing that I had a little bit of, uh, which is my own internal struggle, is after looking and supporting so many artists, um, I, less, I lost my own confidence in my own art. Oh, and, dang. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so... And so then I, I put my energy into helping others versus really focusing on myself. Now, after 16 years of, of really meeting so many inspiring artists, like I, I think I'm going to start, go back and start painting. I think, uh, you know, I found some inspiration. I really, I really am going to double down and, and, uh, potentially work on some of my own, um, some of my own art that, inspires me on the day to day. Um, uh, so that's a goal of mine this year. Um, the other thing I did, um, I, I like to work in, in groups and collaboration. So, um, within the past year and a half, I worked in collaboration with 
several friends to write and illustrate a um, political book called <laughs> called Not My President, which was illustrated <laughs> by several people within our animation community. And it was written be, um, with three of my friends. Um, and that was a really great project that raised $15,000 to ACLU Planned Parenthood and the LA Justice Fund. And then on the other downtime when I'm not raising my, my twin two and a half year olds and baking uh, for their classes, I am trying to rally to see how I can shift um, how we recruit within our industry and how we can better support people as they're growing their careers um, in our in our community. That's fantastic. And that's actually a great segue kind of into my next question, which is, how do you go about building diverse teams in an industry that has struggled to champion the importance of diversity? So what does that look like on a day to day basis now for you? Well, I think the good news is that the 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 collaboration between all of our studios and and it is is real and that everybody finds importance. Um, I think that it's not going to be, in my personal opinion, it's not going to be an overnight situation. I think it's a, a long-term strategy of even spanning over a course of 15 years because I do feel that it's about starting early on in middle school, elementary school, and in high school and really shepherding and educating people that this is a career and also really teaching the about the unconscious bias and what that means to to support male and females as they're growing their careers um, within the arts because one is not the same as somebody who um, struggled with um, with learning disabilities early on in, in my life, um, I found that, you know, we're not all in the one and the same in how we learn. And we're not all in the same on how we build confidence in becoming leaders or driving in the industry we want to be. A lot of different factors help influence and guide us to these certain opportunities. And I, I feel that it's our job if we really want to make a big dent to really start early on in the education in mentoring and shepherding individuals to make sure that they become part of the pipeline and influence to where the industry is going. That's that's really encouraging to hear you say. I think even personally, I had really terrible ADHD growing up, which made many subjects really difficult to swallow. But for my children, I have one with um, really severe dyslexia and one um, who has autism. And, um, you know, as, as their parent, I sit here and I think, oh, my goodness, they've got so many wonderful creative ideas. But are they going to be judged, you know, based on uh, some of their limited skill sets? And is that going to define them? And then, of course, trying to help them redefine themselves, even as kids, um, so that they can work towards that confidence level and not letting those things stop them from pursuing what they're passionate about. It's so encouraging to hear you say that. And I think there is like, and I think that's also another reason to your point of your children, why I gravitated to the arts, because I also suffered from dyslexia. And while 
while reading was a challenge for me and taking tests were challenging, art and the visuals always came natural as ability as as a, as a way as a gateway for me to communicate. And I think as we realize that there's that we we see everybody as an individual for what they can bring to the table versus bucketing everyone together. I think we're going to succeed a lot further as an industry. We just need to take the time to do that. Absolutely. I'm waving my hanky over here. <laughs> That's good stuff. Now I have maybe a, an unconventional question for you. I'm sure that on a maybe even minutely basis sometimes you have messages coming to you, people asking you, I want to make it in the industry. What do I have to do? How do I get in? I actually have kind of the opposite question for you. If someone was looking to build a creative and diverse team, could you walk me through what you might coach them to look for um, maybe in some of those early interviews? So if you're sitting down with an individual, you're trying to build a really great team, what are some of those things that you start to look for you know, in the beginning that may be unconventional and certainly push past any of the maybe traditional, you don't have all of the boxes checked on your resume. Would you mind talking a little bit about how someone could uh, help find those creative people and diverse people for their team? The challenges that our industry has is that we are an industry that requires a lot of training and a special aesthetic that matches studios. So every studio looks for something a tad different and that's where the challenge lies. So it's not all, we're not all bucketed together. TV may look for one type of people and like TV being one studio and then another TV studio could be looking for something different. Feature film is the same way. Gaming is different. So there is not a one size fits all. I, I feel um, that if you don't take risk, there will be no reward. And at the end of the day, we, we tend to play it safe because we are at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, there's a budget, there's a business, and we have to, it's hard to take those risks because, you know, it takes a lot of energy to train and to have somebody that maybe on a draftsmanship wise or aesthetic, it's really less about the resume and it's all about the portfolio. Um, so my advice is like, if there's people, I feel like if there's people that really want to get in our industry and they don't have the training, the great news is that the, the information is, is out there on the internet now, right? You can go onto Instagram, you can follow your favorite artists, you can really see what their portfolios and the type, like the caliber of art that they're doing um, that allowed them or, or got them hired into their, their area of employment. Um, because it's, uh, it's really about the observation and it's about somebody's drive and self-awareness that will, will, that will get them through that door. So they can, you know, and, and here's the other thing. I also support people doing any type of art that they want and making sure that they tell the stories that they want to want to tell. I think, I think it's also important to be clear that yes, if you have a goal to work at any of the major studios, any of the major game studios, any of the major TV animation studios, then just do your due diligence to 
to study and observe and create the best portfolio you can that you feel is aligned to um, to that particular company that you're going for. Uh, now, now, if they have their own stories to tell and they're not breaking through, that's okay too because there's so many great outlets outlets out in there now, out there now. Whether that's YouTube, Vimeo, uh, Instagram stories, like. You can use your own social media and create a, your own brand of stories. And then that's another way people can find you and your voice. So I don't, you know, I, I want people to feel encouraged to get out there and, and not wait for the validation that you're a talented artist, but from one of the, you know, major big companies, if there's stories that you feel that should be told, then don't hold back and tell those stories. Now, when it comes to us building those teams. I think, again, it comes down to risks and looking to me, diversity is goes beyond um, our what we typically view as diverse, but it's like economic factors or where you've lived or what has influenced you in your your surroundings. There's so many other ways we can define um diversity. And I think it's important to look at all of those aspects. And so for me, when I'm building out those teams, you know, I, I, I try to look at that in a holistic view as much as I can. Um, something that we're trying to do within our industry is doing more um, blind submission. So meaning removing the names from, from portfolios. Um, I, I do a lot more curating of art. So um, when I present artists in my day-to-day, um, I curate a whole um, keynote for for the artists, why I think they're really strong, and really talk to their creative abilities and, and remove really the 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 resume and and the name from it. But it's more of the influence that they have on a creative standpoint. That's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that your your um, career has kind of had a steady track. It hasn't necessarily jumped around too much. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But you've you've certainly developed an expertise. So I'm curious if maybe early on there were any mistakes you made that you're willing to talk about. And it, if, you know, you did make a big mistake, how has it changed the way that you approach work now and from that point on? I don't know if anything comes to mind. There is one. I um. Uh, there was a time, um, so my nickel, my Nickelodeon career, I loved that job. Um, I loved the people I worked at. Um, I got to a point where I was feeling a little burnt out cause I was running two internship programs and, and the recruiting department. And while, um, I was really appreciative of everything, you know, Disney had approached me for, this opportunity as a creative recruiter where it was a bit more full cycle. I could learn more about, you know, um, the recruiting aspect um, because I hadn't had that structure at Nickelodeon as much. Um, and so I thought it was a good learning opportunity and time to go. Um, I think the way that I left Nickelodeon and resigned wasn't um, the best way that I could have. Um, so I, instead of giving 
um, the GM at the time and my current manager at the time to potentially counter or at least have the discussion, um, I just resigned. And I think that left a real sour taste in their mouth. They felt really insulted because I, you know, in their, they felt like, you know, we built a lot of trust. We had a really solid relationship. Why would I just one day just come to them and just saying, you know, I'm leaving. Like in their mind, that I didn't even have the dialogue that I was unhappy necessarily. So I kind of caught him off guard. So as I've career coached other people, I think the biggest thing that my takeaway and what I try to do, whether it's my career or coaching others, is it's about the transparency. Um, I think oftentimes we uh, assume, um, and I think we need to assume best intentions rather assuming negative intentions or that it, it that people don't have our backs because most of the time people do, it's just that we get busy. And so as people are navigating their career, I always say, you know, as much as it is the responsibility of your manager to help career coach you and guide you and to have those conversations, it's really up to you to have those conversations and guide and, you know, help bring that clarity of what your goals are. And at the end of the day, if you guys have the conversation and you reach to agreement where, you know, honestly, you can't move forward because of whether it's business reasons or because maybe it's not the fit or maybe those opportunities don't happen for five years from now, but maybe you can leave and then come back and, and gather. It's always about having that transparency, that conversation, and people respect that a lot more. And sometimes conversations are hard to have, but I think if, if there's one thing I learned about how I resigned and how that hurt those relationships when that wasn't my intentions, but I assumed to me, I had, I thought I had clarity and it, I, I was super naive at that time and I didn't handle it well. And you know, that it, it did hurt a relationship that was so important to me that I had never been able to repair. And that had always haunted me because that person was a huge, um, was a huge reason why I was I, I'm in this industry as a whole. He was really supportive of me. And I, you know, it was my fault that it really went sour because I didn't know how to break up properly. Mm. I love so, that. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so it's really about um, as people grow their careers, tr you know, be responsible for your own career, your communications, the transparency. And again, assume best intentions as well. I think those mm. two things, we move 100 miles a minute. And people are typically not malicious in our industry, um, I find. It's just the sure. matters of moving too quickly. And sometimes um, there's casualties in the mix. Sure, sure. That's a good point. I can imagine, um, as I alluded to before, you get so many of the same exact questions and inquiries every day, and I'm sure you're very gracious about it. Um, what do you kind of do to center yourself um, when it feels like you're living another one of those days where you're just in the grind and, and people, you know, just trying to help people understand these, these basic concepts that will help them in their careers? What keeps me motivated? Uh <laughs> Um, I think what keeps me motivated is the people and the artistry. I think our industry is so fascinating. 
I was um, at Art Center um, the other day and uh, going to their portfolio, portfolio review day. Um, and I met this woman who works at JPL as a creative strategist. And I, I feel like when I, <laughs> there's moments where it's like, okay, I can't learn anymore. Or I, you know, I got this all figured out. <laughs> and then you meet these people that are doing similar work but in a whole different field and combining technology in ways that you never even thought of. And then you, then you get inspired of like, how do you bring that into your day to day? Like, and now I get to go visit JPL and I feel like our industries in our creative pockets are so fascinating to me. And, and I love the idea of building up a bigger brand of community of artistry and bringing people together to inspire one another that might be outside of their day-to-day. Um, and who knows where that can lead. And so to me, as I'm building my years, of, I find different areas that can continue inspiring me and get me excited about guiding people's careers or bringing communities together or learning on my, on my own. Like, I want to know more about how this woman... Um, tackles uh creative strategy at jpl like marketing for mars missions sign me up how cool is that? i mean for real <laughs> <laughs> but like where where else like in what other industry do you get to like bond with creatives and feel inspired about what other people do that are even you know and they're close to what you do but they're just slightly different and uh to me that's what keeps me going and it's a great way and then uh, and again the the movements that we have right now and and if I think about what I potentially would love my legacy to be which is combining creative groups together to find solutions creative solutions um as our business grows and giving voices chances to be heard like and people are on board, like, and if I can find just one key solution that is a, is a domino effect that will be impactful in a positive way over the next 15 years, like, I can retire happily. <laughs> um, what do you think is the, the biggest mistake that you see creatives making as it relates to landing work? So they're fresh out of school or even just um, starting to look for a job in the industry for the first time, what is the biggest or most common mistake you see them making? Um, common mistake. I, I think it's more of a being observant, I think is the biggest one for me. So it ties back to what I was saying earlier, where it's really about knowing where you want to target. So what company you want to work at? What is your discipline that you want to focus on? And really doubling down on that. The The other big thing is, I find that the artists that succeed and really want to be in our industry, they make it happen. And they do their art night and day. So it's not just, I have a class assignment, I do my class assignment, and then I go to sleep. Like people who who do art for a living that work in our industry are eating and breathing and living it They're They really are. Um, 
my husband is an artist at Disney, the Walt Disney Animation Studio, and he works all day. And then he comes home and he works till 11 o'clock at night. And then he gets up at five o'clock in the morning and continues working. So it's like, and he's helping me raise two amazing little individuals. So to me, he's like a, a glowing example of if you have a passion for it, like it's, it's not just, it shouldn't just be your day to day, but it, it should be what inspires you and influences you and drives you and and if it's something that you really want to do like just just make it happen for yourself and and the only person honestly that can hold you back from doing that is yourself and I often have like the three strikes your you know your out rule where I'm all about mentoring people and helping them but at the end of the day if they're not willing to help themselves there's you know, nothing I can do. So if I, if I'm like, okay, here's the things you need to work on your portfolio, they go back, they make a few tweaks, they come back to me. Um, I, I give them a few more, you know, assignments on what they should do. They come back, not much has changed. And then they do that for a third time. I'm like, you're really, your heart's not in it right now. Like come back to me when you're really ready to double down and listen to how I'm trying to help me. So help me help you a little bit. And, and I think a lot of people um, just need to take a step back and really observe. Um, and don't give up. If it's a dream of yours, you'll find a way. Um, it's always good to have the thing that you're, you know, your, your, your pie in the sky, the goal that you're setting for yourself. But also realize that none of our paths are, are necessarily linear. That it could be, um, it could be, it could take a lot of steps to get to that final, final place that you want to be, and also be open to taking meetings and other creative opportunities that might have never come your way. Like I would have never thought about going into technology or being part of a mobile game company before they went public. But I took the risk because I, I knew I wanted to be a fish out of water and it just made me that much stronger or or being open to conversations that might have where you never know where they might lead. Like, again, like, don't be closed minded, be open minded to what and who can potentially influence you. If I hadn't listen to that first HR manager telling me that creative recruiting is a job, I'm not sure that I would have, you know, potentially gone this route. I don't know what I would have done. I was a little locked at the time. I had a lot of interest, but, you know, I really focused on it and it, it really combined everything that I was good at and that I, I loved and it really worked out. And I think that's the other thing people have to realize is, is, is people and People who get the jobs, they get the jobs because they're focused and it's crystal clear to us on the hiring side that that's what they're, they're most passionate about, interested in, and they've done the research and took in the time to make it happen. Those who are a little bit more all over the place are harding, having a harder time to really discover what drives them, oftentimes are less likely to get those opportunities. It's not because they're not talented, but it's harder to, to get them to, 
you know, to feel like where are they going to be best suited or focused. Ultimately, we don't want to pick the career for the individual. We want them to have at least their top one or two that really, really drives them. What what gets you up in the morning to to create? Like that's where I think the question needs to be answered from their perspective rather than ours. That's beautiful. Sounds like you work with humans. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I love it. You alluded to your family a little bit. And um, I'm curious how having uh, kids and wow, you know, twins at two and a half, that is a handful. My hat is off to you. Um, but how has having a family changed maybe the way that you approach work? Well, um, it's really hard. Uh, last Friday, I got in my car and started crying. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> So it's not easy. And last night I stayed up late baking for their their snack for their class. Um, but I also realized that I'm in a position that I can help make a better future for them, and I can and and I can do that. And I also think it's important for them to see both parents in 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 positions of influence and creativity and support in in making them realize their their potential as well. Um, I think that that it's also at the end of the day helped me realize the balance between work and family. As much as I love my career, I love what I do, my little people come first. And so I just make sure that, you know, I, if, if they need me, I'm there for them. I, when I'm home, I'm there home a hundred percent for them. I don't, you know, I'm not on the phone. I'm not on the computer. So when my, when I'm with them, my energy is a hundred percent where maybe before, like I would be answering emails 24 seven, or I would be taking calls. Um, but now it's about, kind of redirecting some of my focus to make sure that my energy is with them 100% of the time and that there's an off switch with work and being okay with that. That's so lovely. It's the it's the most freeing thing. I love it. Um, if there's anyone in the industry listening and they are, maybe it's a, a couple of guys and they're looking for a way to become, you know, advocates for women in animation, for, you know, more diversity in animation. What would you advise them if they're looking for ways to, you know, become a part of the solution? I think um, it's about r rallying around people, like be solution orientated, like come to the table with some ideas, come to the table with observations that you've seen, um, and it could be, uh, you know, observations on how anyone is treated and, and, and being your part in, in shifting the culture and the mentality. I think if we're taking if if there's one person that can speak up on someone's behalf um, and just shed positivity rather than feeding into the negative or or being part of giving that opportunity, like being really self-aware and, and making that conscious effort, I think is so important. And I think it's not just men, but all of us need to do that. Like it, it's a, a, it's a real thing across everybody. We all suffer through that. You know, I, I've recently decided that I'm no longer going to feed into any negativity. If somebody's speaking 
not positively be about somebody, I'm really going to do my best to shut that down. Like it's, it's not worth the time and the energy. Like it's not good for that person, you know, who they don't know that they're being talked badly about, but it's also like, it's a mentality that needs to be shifted that we need to be able to support each other. And if there's challenges, let's, let's have the conversation, but let's not like stir the pot and, and, and let's try to be really be supportive across the board with each other. Um, I, I just find, um, you know, where you, you can see it within Twitter and, and, and within other social media, people just get so mean. And, and I think that can carry over in our day to day. Um, and I, I just feel like it's, there's no longer a time and the place. I, I think it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So it, we can't really change and support unless we're really starting to shift the mentality. That's beautiful. I love it. Well, um, before we sign off here, which this has been amazing and I hate to end it, but um, if you decide to do any more work and people want to sort of stick around and see what other books you're going to come out with or just what you have to say, where do you prefer they find you? Twitter, I'm guessing. Anywhere else? Twitter, um, Facebook, and LinkedIn are my my go-tos. Fantastic. And we'll link to those in the show notes so it'll be This has been so wonderful, Allison. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Hannah.